that music, you know the show. Here's us in the rail of sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me is 2017. I'd like to thank God for the opportunity to get another year in. I don't think we can ever take that for, um, just don't ever take it for granted. There's, there's too many people, and it j- just so happens that a lot of times there's a focus on, on the holiday season uh, where we are all accustomed, become accustomed to losing a, a close one in the family or, or a celebrity or just something that happens that uh, there are lives that are lost. And, uh, of course, we know about the tragedy that happened uh, over the past um, holiday season, too, where there were a number of people in uh, East Bando, I can't even pronounce it, who, who lost their lives. And uh, we want to pray for those people as well. But uh, we do always want to be thankful when we have another chance to live and breathe and uh, watch some sports. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that, and uh, I think that's a good way to start off because, listen, everybody who listens to this show knows that, of course, uh, I bleed Scarlett and Gray. It's in my blood, born and raised in the Hall of Fame city, Canton, Ohio, attended the Ohio State University, played there for the Cleveland Browns. And so I am not going to run. I'm not going to hide. And I am going to talk about the game of which I was uh, in attendance, of course. I got a chance to... Uh, be there at the game with my lovely daughter, and certainly appreciate that. And uh, also in the company of uh, Sean Moore, former quarterback for the New York Jets, and Guy Troop of uh, Troop 21, um, who will be joining me on the show next week, uh, or probably week thereafter, certainly as we prepare for the player networking event that will happen in Houston. Texas, of course, that's where the Super Bowl will be played, and the annual Player Networking event is there. So, so why don't I just jump right into it? Of course, I don't, I don't want to shy away from it. Uh, I've got a friend who's joining me in the studio today, and so he and I, and that friend, of course, is Les Brown. Uh, Les has uh, been covering sports for uh, many years, like myself, and um, we go way back. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened with the Ohio State University because. I think a week or two before I, you know, attended the game, uh, I was pretty hard on the players in the National Football League because what I felt was a lack of effort on their part because there were teams that perhaps maybe were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs or there were teams that mathematically had already achieved their status in the playoff. And so, therefore, some of them might have accepted the attitude that, it's just somewhat meaningless. And so that's what we're going to talk about. We, we're going to talk a little bit about that meaningless because there's a, there's a twist to that. Uh, but then we're going to also talk about the lack, it's the effort that really determines at least what you see in terms of if somebody thinks something is meaningless or not. So, so of course, this was not meaningless. This was very meaningful. Uh, Ohio State Buckeyes had a chance to find themselves on the on that platform of the national championship uh, in this uh, playoff series. They actually would be playing for the national championship against the team they beat the last time on their way there, uh, which is, of course, they beat Alabama to get to the national championship game where they played Oregon, and, uh, you know, they would have had a chance to play Alabama again. But they got, whoo, they got whooped. By Clemson and Clemson. First of all, let me say this. First and foremost, Clemson deserved to win the game. On that day, 
you hear them say on any given Sunday, anybody could win the game. On that day, Clemson just whooped they behind. So uh, let me, that's what you think, man. Were you, were you surprised uh, at the effort uh, and the energy of the football team? Or was it one of those things Whereas you were sitting there waiting, thinking this is going to change? Just my perspective, I was watching that first, I'd say that first touchdown drive that Clemson went through. And you could just sense that there was a just a real energy shift. It was, we're here, we're Buckeyes, we, we came to dominate. And it was, wait a minute, they scored. And you could just sense that shifting of the energy just from all the way from Glendale across the valley. I'm just going, this looks kind of weird. Then they scored again. And after that, it was... Mm-mm. This this don't look good. How did how did it feel at home watching the game? In particular, like you said, they scored, but they scored after we flubbed an opportunity because we didn't move the ball close enough to actually score a touchdown. And of course, the field goals, the two two field goal attempts. Did it feel as you were watching the game that those field goal the missed opportunities? kind of took something out of us? Because certainly in the stadium, we were like, ooh, and then, ooh. They just really didn't. They look lost. They look lost. And you don't usually see, as much as you hear about the Urban Meyer coach teams, whether it's in Gainesville, whether it's in Columbus, wherever, they just looked extremely lost. It was, okay, well, we missed a field goal. Oh, we'll get it back. We'll get it back. And then that second one happened. And you could just sense there was a real shift. I, I felt that there was a lack of emotion. I, I didn't see the emotion from Urban. I didn't see the emotion from the players. No fire. And, and I did no not see something that I was. Uh, I noticed in a game a little bit later, and we'll talk about that when we get there, of course, uh, later in the show. But, but there were players that stepped up, that, that was trying to rally the troops. I didn't see not one person try to rally the troops when it came to the Buckeyes. Nobody. They had that look of, we can turn it on, we'll turn it on, we'll turn it on, and next thing you know, it's halftime. And there was nothing turned on. And you could just, it was almost like Urban wasn't even there. It was, I, it was like one of those things where he's sitting in the stands watching instead of being down there on the sidelines in command of his team. It was a big difference in that regard. And I'm going... They're not here today. Let's look at the quarterback position because I'm one of those people that, I, you know, I, I got to call a spade a spade. You know, I, I do something a little bit different here now. I sit behind a microphone and, and I share my, my perspective based upon my experience. And, and my perspective based upon my experience, uh, because I witnessed this again when I was at, for the first time, when I was at the Michigan game. And I just didn't like what I saw from J.T. Barrett in terms of him being what had to lead this team to win this championship. You know, even though he got Big Ten Player of the Year, whatever the award was he received, I'm not seeing him as a stellar quarterback. Did you see something missing against uh, Clemson, or was it, it just was me? It was the same lack of fire, the same lack of passion, the same lack of general leadership that you need at this is this is your leader, and he can, and not just not, not just the leadership too. I'm gonna tell you what else I noticed too, the, the passing ability. It was it, that was not he sharp was at all. He was off, and he was off. He was really off, off. and to the point. Whereas I don't care 
You know, when you look at the last two games, which were the most important two games, that's one thing about 12-gauge. When 12-gauge was, was inserted into the lineup, he beat the big boys mm-hmm. on, on, in big games. He was no joke. And JT, and when it's his turn, I just didn't see him stepping up. And, and, I, and I think it, it tarnished, if anybody thought he had the ability to be a professional quarterback in the National Football League, I did not see that out of him. His last two performances no. do not say that. No, no. What, you, you don't. You agree with I, me I, on that? I, I, I am totally in alignment with that. He just really did not have. When that light is on, as they like to say, the stage is too big. You know the cliches of the moment. He wasn't there, and that's something that people are going to remember. They're going to go, "Well, you did that against X team, but you didn't do it against Clemson." Right. And that's going to be that's. It's the Janet Jackson syndrome. What have you done for me lately? And that's what they saw lately. And he has not done anything. The the last two games for sure uh, would bring question marks in. And I don't know who he would turn to to advise him. But I understand there's a backup quarterback that's on the roster that's supposed to be pretty damn good. I thought we might even put him in the game. Um I think he's number 10. I uh, can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, we'll find that out. But but there's a backup that I'm not sure he really wants to go head-to-head if there's a quarterback competition on throwing ability, kind of like a freshman that we saw later last night uh, in a game where a freshman stepped up and showed you that a freshman can perform. Stones. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it just made me wish and, and think what, what it would be like to have a quarterback like that. But but let me also uh, let me talk about something else. I think that as I watched the game, I saw no adjustments by our coaching staff. At halftime, when you go in at halftime, you got to come back and make some adjustments. Uh, we saw that, as we'll talk about it later, yesterday. But I, they're, they're running the same play. And what really reminded me is I happen to be watching the game with the same guys that I watched the game, the national championship game with. And, and the comment was made back then that, we might as well continue to feed Zeke the ball because run the play till they stop it. They never stopped it. So we kept running the play, kept handing, feeding Zeke. I saw Ohio State being victimized by Clemson. And Ohio State never made any adjustments on defense. Now, could it be that our coordinator, who already has signed to become a head coach in Cincinnati, could he have been somewhat distracted? Because I think I heard someone say today on one of the big boy shows as they were leaving out the door because they felt as if they would be somewhat of a distraction. They wouldn't be totally focused to help Alabama win a national championship. That would be Lane Tivitt. So is it possible that our defensive coordinator was not totally focused on his job because they made no adjustments to stop the same play that was killing us. They were not adjusting across the board. It, it didn't matter if it was just the offensive schemes they were running that, you know, okay, well, let's do this now because they've already, they've already figured that out. Clemson's defense, the best way to put it, pipes and blowtorches, and they brought them, and they used them, and they kept using them, and no one stopped it. No one made the, no one made an adjustment. No one said, "Okay, well they're doing this." That front that front four that front three or four kids they had that one kid was a beast. Yeah, no, Boulware, uh, 90, I think 99 name, outside linebacker. Yeah, he he certainly gave our left tackle was a, a beast. Money. 
but uh, but offensively, they kept throwing a little screen pass to to the back and to the you know the guy in motion to the wide receiver, and we made no adjustments to it whatsoever. You know, and to me, it was a simple thing. I'm I'm up there watching the game, and and I'm saying to myself, why are we, why are we not making an adjustment to that play? It's very as a matter of fact, it's one of those plays that if if you make an adjustment defensively. And you get your corner up there, or or linebacker, or safety. It could be a real ugly, ugly play for the offense because a receiver can get hurt on a play like that, where you're looking back That's at the right. ball and That's the ball right. and the corner's coming to get you. That's, That's, That's all we had to do. And I was I was looking at the play myself, and I'm like, why are we not making an adjustment? And so I don't know if it's fickle, who was fickle, and 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 not focused, and and for some reason or another. Saw something that he never saw before. I could, I find it hard to believe because again, I, I saw it later last night. So it's not a play that people haven't been used. This is nothing new. It's not like, oh man, that's an outstanding play. Well, you know, I never saw anything like right. that before. No, it was a play to me that was just a minor adjustment that needed to be made, and we didn't make it. It was. It, I just felt again, even on the guys that were on the field, I didn't think the corners were aggressive enough with the wide receivers to get them off them. And go make a play. So, um, it was just basically, uh, for want of a better way of putting it, system failure. Because everything they tried failed. What do you think this says uh, about this? Is, it, is this a, a a program statement? Is there something wrong with the program? Is there something wrong with the coaches? Do we need to make some adjustments? Uh, is our talent not as good as Clemson's talent? The talent, the talent was equal and commensurate in that regard. But the prep, the preparation, somebody didn't prep because that's something you've had literally from conference championship game X amount of weeks. So you can't tell me. That you didn't. We win. even had. And now that you think about it, we actually had more games to prep than they did because mm-hmm. they played in the conference championship. Yes, they did. And yes, um, they did. we 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 didn't play. I'm pretty sure Clemson played in the conference championship game. I think they did. And um and and it it just it just surprised me what I saw out of the Buckeyes. I mean, you got to go back to 1920, the last time that we were shut out in a bowl game like that. 1920. And even more recent, that's the first shutout in Urban Meyer's career. 194 games in, and you, you know. And I, and I. That was a woodshed and moment. For, and for that me, was a total oh, woodshed. Oh my God! And, and and to think about how it just seems as if he accepted it. It, it just it seemed like he just took, he too, took a beat yeah, down. Yeah, it was too yeah. easy for him. You take it and you like it, and, yeah. and just his facial expressions and just his mannerisms. I'm going. This is the. This, he's, everybody's talking about this newer, mellower. Mm, you don't get to that level. You don't have all those platitudes and and championships and not be ready on this stage because again, you're playing to win this game, to play for a national championship in football. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I think we're going to take a break. I may have missed it, uh, but uh, I'm going to go ahead take a break. We're going to come back less. We're going to talk a little bit more, just a little bit more uh, about Ohio State Buckeyes, but we're certainly going to talk some more football. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All righty, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rayola Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me, 2017. Thank you, Lord, for letting me see another one. Lord Jesus knows I'm happy to see another one. I think everybody out there should be happy to see one of those because there's many people who did not make it to see 2017, and, and our prayers uh, goes out to all of those families who uh, lost dear ones uh, in the holiday season and in the year of 2016. So, and it was almost like it was a funeral at the Ohio State game too. And <laughs> it's just like uh, that program, that team, that day, Actually, you know, they got buried. Uh, but what we will do is we'll, we will bounce back. And notice I said, we. I'm not jumping off a bandwagon. Uh, it's in my DNA. We'll continue to be there. Uh, but I know some other folks out there, too, uh, who are ride or die with their teams. And uh, one of those is a good friend of the show. Uh, I want to thank my good friend, uh, Les Brown, for being here in the studios with me. But there's a guy out there who's uh, a big Penn State fan. And there was a couple, you know, important games this weekend in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, well, the state of Pennsylvania teams were represented, let's say that. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Eagles played the Cowboys. And uh, Penn State played last night. Um, and then a game down the road was important to uh, the, the, the conference that the Philadelphia Eagles did, which is the NFC East. But I believe our, our good friend Keith is, uh, is on the line with us. Keith, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Ray. Hey, how you doing there, Keith? Happy New Year right. to you. I'm listening real hard to you guys analyze the Ohio State game. Well, man, there's not much to say about that. We're going to go beyond it. We ain't going to waste our time on that one because that's what that was. That was a waste of time. People paid a lot of money to see a performance. Hell, it was zero before they went in the game, <laughs> you know, and it ended up the same thing. So you could have just stayed home and still would have had the same score and about the same amount of effort. So uh, I'm not happy with the performance of the young fellas, but I think that uh, certainly uh, they'll come back next year. We will never, I think it's been since 1920, and uh, Les, of course, shared that that's the first time Urban was shut out. So I don't think we'll ever see that again. But, uh, Keith, I want to talk a little bit about your Penn State Nittany Lions, and and I'm sure I can say that uh, knowing that you were rooting for them last night. Uh, hell of an oh, effort, but came up a little short. Um, from 
our standpoint as, as, as a fan, I mean, couldn't ask for a better game, obviously. Um, seeing Penn State's program come back and show very well yesterday was, was a statement that needed to be made. Uh, kind of heartbreak hotel, obviously, losing at the last minute like that. But uh, when you can't stop the other team from scoring, I mean, you know, you're kind of inviting that to happen. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because uh, uh, really the other team didn't stop Penn State from scoring either, you know. <laughs> so it was just a matter of uh, who had the ball last and uh, whose field goal kicker was going to show up. I know a little bit about field goal kickers' uh, disappointment too. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, that C guy might have missed a, a field goal or two in the game, but he certainly he came through in the clutch. And, and I'm one of those guys, I'm hard as hell on kickers. You got one job to do. You don't do, as a matter of fact, kickers don't do anything else. You don't even have to do anything else in practice. And you, all you got to do is just go practice your kicking and do it by yourself. But um, there's a time when, when it comes down to performing, uh, you have to deliver. And uh, some people ask me, you know, well, don't you think that's a lot of pressure? Hell, everybody's under a lot of pressure. They just play one play. They, <laughs> they just kick one time. Everybody's under a lot of pressure, but, but they play well. And uh, So what would you, would you like about the game last night in terms of what you saw from uh, Penn State, Keith? What I liked about it was, I mean, they got down early. Um, you know, they really had a chance to kind of let the game get away. Uh, but they held in there. Um, I mean, the coach showed confidence in the quarterback. And... Uh, they started to find some of the holes and in, in, in the vulnerabilities in the defense, uh, especially uh, as we got to halftime, second half, came back, scored three scores right away to get some momentum going, which is important. And uh, actually, I mean, they scored three different ways, three different times. Uh, so that was great to see. Wait, well, uh, Les, when you, when you watched the game last night about, uh, as you watched the game develop and unfold, when you saw USC, what did you see that made you feel good about the USC Trojans? The first... Um, I'm sorry, Keith, I'm directing that over here. Uh, my good friend in the studio with me is Les uh, Brown, and Les is going to go ahead and answer that question, Les. So first thing you saw was what did... The really first thing I noticed about USC, and I even mentioned this or posted something on social media last night summing it up, I said they are driving it like they stole it. Because that was the energy they came out with. They wow. came out the blocks. This is home. This is our field. This is our home away from home. We're taking care of business. But the thing I admired the most is Penn State said, we flew across the country. This is not going to be that easy. And it turned out to be a classic, classic game. Now, he just said something, Keith, that I've heard a lot of people over the years talk about is that the majority of times uh, the team from the, from the Big Ten are always flying across country to the Rose Bowl, and it's a home game. You think that had any effect on uh, Nittany Lions? Uh, actually, it's, very, it's funny you said that. When I was talking to my daughter as we watched the game, and I was saying exactly that, that USC is like, you know, to them, the second home. And so that's a challenge for Penn State. And Penn State lived up to that barrier, and they lived up to the travel barrier. And you're right. It's always hard for any of the Big Ten schools to, to travel far and show up on game day with a true game face. Uh, I think that, like I said, Penn State did a good job in, in both areas. I mean, they came to play. They gave it everything they had. Well, I, I'm going to give you guys a little insight from, from, from a player's perspective. And I, and I can tell you this because the one time that I got a chance to play in the Rose Bowl, 
when you go out to the Rose Bowl as a player, I'm going to honestly tell you guys the last thing in the world that we're thinking about is the fact that we have a three-hour difference in the, in the time because it is, it is such a blessing to play in the granddaddy of Mo. I don't care what game you're playing. I don't, in any national championship, whatever, there's nothing like the stage of the Rose Bowl. It's Hollywood. <laughs> it is what it is. And, and you get there and, and such, uh, you know, you're really looking to it, the time and effort. Of course, you want to do some of the other things. You want to enjoy California, but you want to leave a last impression and you want to win that football game. And interesting enough, I played in a game that I thought was just as close as this one. So we ended up being 17-16. It was a national championship game for us on that particular day. The young man on the sidelines uh, cheering on his alma mater, uh, of course, helped to beat us that day, and that was Marcus Allen as we lost to them 17-16. Marcus was a fullback uh, as a Heisman Trophy winner to come and uh, Charles White was the Heisman Trophy of the presence, and they both performed uh, to that level on that particular day. But I, I can tell you guys, I, I got to be honest, because I watched the Big Boy Show this morning, and uh, there was a couple things that was said uh, in the presence of Steve Smith by Stephen A. Smith and Max, and, and he took the time to share from a perspective of a player that, you know, maybe it's a little bit different. So uh, believe, believe it, guys, when, when that time comes to step on that stage, if you're focused like Penn State was last night, that travel across country, and again, that was like, they were there for about five days. So they've had enough time to adjust. That stage wasn't too big for them. Uh, that uh, game wasn't, uh, you know, meaningless for them. Uh, that was a game of which they will remember and we will remember for the rest of our lives. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest Penn State fan out there. I, I might even say that I, you know, might have a little USC in me, you know, not rooting against Penn State. I just, as a fan, I've always liked USC. Uh, but that is one of the best football games I've ever watched in my life. It's one of those things I always tell people like this. A football game is like a movie, Keith, and I'm going to ask you, have you ever done this before? A football game is like your favorite movie. Your favorite movie, some people watch The Godfather, they, they'll watch the series over, they know what's going to happen, they know the movie by heart, but they'll watch it over again. If you had the chance to watch that game over again, even knowing what the outcome would be, would you watch it again, Keith? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, both teams, I mean, they met the challenge. You know, oh. they had a chance to fold each of them did, but they, but they came back. And that's a testament to the coaches and, and to the players. Absolutely. Well, being a fan of football from childhood on, all I can say is Penn State fans, Penn State Nation, don't sleep. This is, this is a very, very nice new chapter for that university. And you know what? It's going to be fine. They are going to compete yeah, year in year. They're going to get they, back to being Penn State. Their recruiting numbers will be just swell. From well, last night. Certainly playing the way they did yesterday, they uh, did not embarrass their program, nor the Big Ten, and uh, I was happy to see that performance. What are we going to do, guys? We're going to take a break. Uh, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back.
you're into. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And what matters to me, 2017, I'm one of those people that I am always happy when the good Lord Jesus lets me uh, enjoy another year. I uh, got to see 2016 go out, brought 2017 in, and uh, there are some people who didn't do that. So I'm sending uh, condolences to their families uh, as they... Um, uh, mourn the death of those that they lost, and but also uh, hope that they're happy to realize that uh, the fact that they're still here and they have to enjoy life every day, every moment while you can. So I got my friend Les Brown in the studio here with me and a friend of the show, uh, Keith on the line. Keith, we're going to transition a little bit from Penn State, who did an excellent job representing the state of Pennsylvania, the university, the Big Ten, and, and the Rose Bowl. Uh, probably will go down as probably the greatest, because the game ended on the last play of the game, uh, probably be the greatest, uh, the, the significance of it wasn't a national championship, but for the game, probably will go down as probably probably the greatest Rose Bowl ever. The most points ever scored, uh, quarterback threw more touchdowns, both quarterbacks threw more touchdowns than ever been thrown in a, in a Rose Bowl before. Uh, and it was just a great effort by both teams. Uh, the coaches did a great did great job. Uh, Penn State traveled well. Uh, and, of course, uh, those there in California just got out of bed and went to the game. So we're happy about that. But let us go and talk about a game, and, and in some capacities, that wasn't a meaningless game, but it, we knew it wasn't going to affect who was going to be the national champion. So it could be somewhat of a meaningless game. In the National Football League, there were some games that went on on Sunday, and uh, they were somewhat meaningless to some people, but to other people, there weren't. Keith, I'm talking about, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys decided they were going to rest some people. And in resting some people, you're basically saying that this game doesn't mean anything for us. We can't gain anything out of this, but we certainly can risk and lose something by playing certain players. At the same time, when you make a statement like that, 
there are other players on the team that you never know. They could be very sensitive. It could be a big offensive tackle and say, hey, the quarterback and the running back, yeah, they had great seasons, but how the hell you think they had the great seasons? So don't you think I'm worthy of some rest? Shouldn't we also get to sit down? But, of course, those Eagle fans, they didn't care. Whoever was there, they were going to beat them down. And, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles won that game. So all that being said and done, Keith, and I'm sure everybody in Philadelphia thought about all those things, but the bottom line was they beat the Dallas Cowboys. But was that a meaningless win for the Cowboys? Because I know it is never meaningless for the Philadelphia Eagles. And and you hit it exactly right. I mean, it was, from the Philly standpoint, Eagles-Dallas. Case (laughs) closed. Um, You knew going in it made sense for Dallas to probably do what they did. Um, They needed to keep some people sharp. They needed to make sure other people didn't get injured. From the Philly standpoint, I mean, every Eagle player, man, that's, that's game tape for them, man. That's whether they are here next year or not. And I, and I hear you say that, but, but a lot of times that happens when they're the backup players. So there were some players perhaps maybe who were, let's say, um, you know, on the borderline, and, and they want to see if they're going to throw the towel in. You know, I don't think Malcolm Jenkins' job was on the line yesterday, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, our quarterback's job was on the line, you know, yesterday. There were a couple other people, maybe special teams and some other positions, that they did need to see them on tape and see what kind of effort they were going to put out, knowing that there was nothing really that they could benefit from that game other than perhaps maybe some incentive bonuses. But certainly, let, let's take a look on the other side of the ball, the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe some of the big fellas up front. You know, quarterback can't throw the ball without being protected. Running back can't run the ball without getting blocked. Somebody open up the hole. What do you think about that? You know, do you do you even consider that if you are a coach? Do you consider that these guys may feel as if I'm taking an approach that they're not as important as my running back and my quarterback? You think coaches think like that? Let me let's let's just give me a face over here, Keith. I'm gonna ask him to answer that question because in the studio here, he's giving me a face. Let's. What do you think about that? You know who owns that team in Dallas. Holla if you hear me. Yeah, that man, Mr. Jones. Yeah, the most common name in the world, the most uncommon owner in Keeping sports. up with the Joneses. He's, he is the, the, the poster child. He is not going to take those linemen out because of one name, his adopted son, Tony. But after Tony was done, perhaps maybe it's time to and 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 and, and again, Dak got a chance to do basically what guys do in, in preseason. He get a series in and get out the game. Get in, get out. Right. But Jerry doesn't think along those lines. We both we have seen that. We you know, throughout the years it's been I know what's gonna generate money, i.e. I wanna see this happen, I wanna see this happen. No, you're not talking about money now. Jerry's not trying what? to make sure. I can't build palaces for my team unless people are on that field. Keith, what were they thinking there in Philadelphia? What was Jeffrey Lurie's mindset going into that game? Uh, do you think it was important for him, for his fans, to, to see his team beat the Dallas Cowboys the last game of the season, to go into the offseason so that he could sell them, you know, 
uh, a product some, with some more propaganda leading into next season. Although they started off very well, 0-3, uh, is, is this the, another propaganda pitch that he now can use to, uh, to to get the fans motivated? It's not like they're not motivated every year. They do show up, but uh, what do you think Jeffrey was thinking? It's important for the Eagles every game to evaluate their level of talent against the best opposition. So when you're talking like, like you say, Lyman, you know, that was one of the big issues we had all year long. The D guys who got paid some big bucks didn't always put out. Uh, they were going up against the best O-line in the league. And that needed to happen. They, um, regardless of who they were protecting for, whether it was Zeke or Dak, um, you know, the Eagles defensive line needs to put its best effort forward against the best opposition they had. And one thing that I have noticed, Keith, about Philadelphia, overall, whatever sport we're talking about, we're talking about the the jewel, which is football, of course. You got to bring it in Philly. It is not acceptable. They will, they will take a lot of things. They will take bad weather. They'll take terrible officiating crews. But the effort better be there in the white and green. Yeah, and, and I agree. I agree. You will get run out. I agree of the with building. you. You know, we you know we were talking earlier about Ohio State Buckeyes. You, I, that's one thing, Keith. You, you've been you're a native of Philadelphia. Uh, practically been there most of your life. Uh, certainly was there when I first arrived in in, in eighty one. I believe it was. But right. but Keith, you know, the, the team has always put forth effort, and the fans have accepted that. A lack of effort. Now you know we'll boo Santa Claus, and we have booed Santa Claus. So so it's a situation yep. where they want you to be the, and exert the kind of effort that they do every day. Blue collar effort. Go out there and give it your best. So it might be you might the other team might be better than you, but they might win. But this is going to be a hell of a fight, and a lack of effort is never accepted by those Philadelphia fans. And they've never won a Super Bowl. They've been to a couple, but you know, they won a championship before there were Super Bowls. But that's the expectation of this team. So so I don't think I didn't think going in, I really didn't care who that last game was. It's good it was Dallas because it's a nice Christmas present bringing the new year. That they went on on the right note that they did win. But I think it was the effort that was important. Uh, you know, I heard something uh, one of the big boy shows, Keith, where they were talking about uh, LeBron James um, and his MVP status, but it was somewhat tarnished because there were a lack of performances because of choice and not need. And I thought that was somewhat harsh towards LeBron because actually, you know, down in San Antonio, they started this a long time ago. Will you rest your players, Tim Duncan and those guys, and and, and, and Les, you, you, you know that. To that point, this has been going on since, for want of a better way of putting it, Pat Riley was wearing the duck tail in L.A. But Michael Jordan. We're talking way no, but Michael be, Jordan before Michael. Well, well, they said that's one thing they were saying, is that late, Michael Jordan never took oh, days yeah. off. Oh, yeah. Michael never took days off, and that's, unfortunately, for better or worse, that's just the society we're in now. You know, participation trophies. Days off, which that didn't happen before. Because yeah. as Michael, then, uh, as Michael and Magic both put it, that person might not have have ever seen me play. So it's important for me to be on that floor. Let me ask you, Keith. With that being the case, uh, let's look at the MVP um, choices. 
And does that justify perhaps maybe Tom Brady being MVP? Even though they were saying at first he missed four games. But now you're saying, well, then that's okay. Because if it's by choice or if it's by injury, if it's by suspension, you know, the performance of the days, let's, see, let's critique the performance the days you performed, see how good they are, and then make that decision. What, what do you think about that, Keith? You, you think uh, uh, that's the way it should go? Um, actually, I had that discussion um, the other night with a friend, and I think that I mean, Dallas has two really good MVP candidates. But when you bring about Brady, I think if there was a, a category called most motivated player, that would be Brady. I, I, you know, you Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a linebacker in a quarterback body. He, you know, he got a, he has a mindset of a linebacker. I mean, and it's one thing I about, again, don't want to bring up too much about Ohio State, but Tom Brady plays every game with passion. You, and that's the thing about it. If, if you're a passionate player, you don't, you don't show up a game and no, the passion's gone. You can't turn it on and off because it's connect. It's almost the fuel to your performance. If you don't have the fuel, you're not going to perform. Tom Brady, he don't care who he's playing he headbutting all his linemen mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, again, he's from that school up north, but that's okay. I like the way the man approaches the game. And, again, I, when, when, when somebody, when it's not there, when there's a team that's played with no emotion, you can see, even in these stadiums, you can feel it when there's something that's missing. When you're watching it on TV, you see there's something missing. And normally, look at the team who's winning, look at the team who's losing. If if they're both very competitive, then it's obvious there's emotion there. But if it's a lack of emotion, very few times in my life I've ever seen a team with a lack of emotion win a football game. And what's funny, now that we're sitting here recapping just the last few days, or actually yesterday's, you know, smorgasbord of football. I'm going to tell you to hold on to that. Because we got to take a break. <laughs> We're going to come back. Thank you, Les. Uh, you can listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, Living Like It Matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
right, you hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, what matters to me. 2017, thank you, Lord Jesus, for another year here on this earth. I am uh, sad for those folks out there that lost loved ones in 2016, particularly those that got closer to the holidays. Uh, you always look for the holidays to be so special, and you certainly hope that uh, you're not faced with adversity, uh, certainly with losing a family member. Uh, who wants to mourn a family member during uh, a celebration of, of, of Christ? And that's what I celebrate, and uh, so I'm, I'm really praying for those families out there. Give them strength. Uh, got my good friend Les Brown in the studio with me and a friend to the show. Um, Keith, of course, is calling in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We've been talking about, and don't mean this in a disrespectful way, a meaningless game because just as there's some scarlet and gray going through me, uh, there is some green going through this, these veins as well. And that E-A-G-L-E-S will always be a part of my life. So I was one of those that was extremely happy to see the Philadelphia Eagles uh, beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and But we're now going to talk about games that have a significant amount of meaning going forward, and, and that's the playoffs. And, 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 and Les, I'm just going to ask you, uh, as we get ready for these playoffs, from the NFC and the AFC, who, who do you see that, first of all, might be the surprise in the NFC and the AFC, and then who do you think might survive in the NFC and AFC? Well, in the AFC, let's get that one out of the way because we can wipe that window quick. Nobody's ready for the, for the team in Boston or Foxborough or whatever they want to call that town. Beantown is ready. Mm. They this is this is the revenge tour part, whatever it is. Brady's ready. He's got four less games on his body, so that's part of this dynamic as well. Belichick is still Belichick. He's still the man. But when it comes to sleepers in the AFC, I wouldn't sleep on the Steelers because everybody's talking about the Patriots. Nobody, the Raiders don't have a quarterback. Osweiler by osmosis got his job back. But people keep forgetting, number seven in Pittsburgh got two rings. He's been here, and he's healthy, which big man healthy, two rings, don't sleep on Pittsburgh. Now, for the NFC, I'm a Packer backer. Got to own it. Got to live with it. In the NFC, I truly see, barring injury, I don't see it. Even, even if they have to go down to Dallas to play a, a, a road game as far as playoffs go. Seattle, Seattle's in disarray in some ways. They're not. Yeah, they're fight they, on the sidelines. They, they, they're, they're, oh, oh, oh. It, it, it might as well be high school with Seattle right now. And this is a great team that hasn't been a great team for this year. And what's happened to them? Beast mode is gone. Mm. That personality. The silent leader that, is gone. That personality. Then you got a very ta- one of the best football players in the league and Earl Thomas being injured. So those two factors right now, everybody loves Russell. We get it. We get it. He's lovable. Go Hawks. But he is not the personality of that team. Earl Thomas is a personality. Marshawn was a personality, and they've lost that. So it's going to be. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit went in and got one. So, so, so Detroit would be your surprise. They would be my surprise because in, re- in realistically, everybody keeps saying, "Well, Stafford's finger." You know what? They've got nothing to lose. Mm. 
And a team that, it, you know, would you rather be worried about the team you already know is good, or would you rather be worried about that team that really doesn't have anything to lose? They on the road. They haven't. They have not won a playoff game since the Jericho was in. <laughs> and we both sitting up in the studio with sitting, no hair on our hands. So we're <laughs> bald. <laughs> so Keith, let me ask you. Uh, you, you know, you've heard, uh, of course, what, what Les had to say in terms of who would be his surprise and and who uh, would survive. Uh, let me ask you about your surprise in the AFC and uh, and also your surprise in the NFC. Who is in the playoffs and, and, and doing well? That's somewhat of a surprise for you at this time of the year. Okay, a surprise to me would probably be Kansas City. Uh, let's hit it right on with them in terms of the only thing that's going to hurt the Patriots is their own injuries. Mm-hmm. Other than that, mm-hmm. nobody else can challenge them. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh would probably be the best one to challenge them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of surprise, I would say Kansas City. Good call. Good call. And really. and, and uh, looking at, now you said Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh obviously isn't a surprise to any of us that, that they're there. Okay, Pittsburgh, I think for Pittsburgh, it's just a matter of them being healthy. And uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, I, I got to throw this one in. You know, I, I think that was a shot that Terry Bradshaw uh, threw at the coach a couple weeks ago talking about if he's a great coach or not. And, and Coach, you know, <laughs> kind of answered this question uh, in a very, uh, you know, humble, uh, but at the same time, it I think still it had a spike. It had a iron hand in It was spiked up, and, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that but but we certainly aren't surprised that the uh, Steelers uh, could possibly be there uh, but but Kansas City um, is it really a surprise that Kansas City is there Keith I mean really you know Andy Reid's history he's been to two NFC championship games his, his Kansas City Chiefs have been, been in the playoff run the past couple years is it really a surprise and if it is what makes it a surprise because of who or what makes Kansas City a surprise in the AFC it would be a surprise to me because one of, I mean, as great as Andy is, I mean, what has always been his problem is the ability to close out on a positive note in key games in the playoffs. Um, and that's always been the knock to Andy. Regardless of his success, he's not been able to close it out in, in the big ones. And this year he seems to be able to do that. Um, seems to be able to, and I think this, this would be the time for him to be able to, to come through, and that would be the surprise. Uh, Pittsburgh's coming on strong. I expect that. I expect really the only challenge to the Patriots would be Pittsburgh. So does that, does that uh, look like does that is able to come through this time around in the big game and close it out? That's why I'm saying surprise. So do you think uh, that AFC Championship game? Who you got there? You got Pittsburgh against uh, the Pats, or you got KC against the Pats? Keith. It would depend on. I would say <laughs> that was a long. That was a long one. He's a little hesitant about that. He's killing his, his. Like I say, the injuries to to the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we. But I think we all believe anybody barring another injury. Yeah, we do believe. And and I would say no. If they lose Bennett, or if they lose uh, Julian Edelman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they got a problem. If they lose either of those two. They got problems. Yeah, yep. then all bets are off. Then whoever they play, I think, will take it. Okay, let's jump to the NFC because I believe uh, before, uh, you know, I saw the commercial on TV this weekend and they were polishing up the uh, the, the, the <laughs> National <laughs> Championship yeah. trophy. I thought it was a Super Bowl trophy and they already had the Cowboys name written on it. But let's talk about the <laughs> NFC. Uh, who is the surprise at this time in the NFC and who do you think perhaps will survive 
and maybe play that NFC Championship game? I think to, actually I think the surprise would be would be Dallas going all the way. The two teams that are ramping it up as they come into the playoffs are the teams I would expect. Um, the Packers always have the ability to come through, and they're coming through so strong now. Um, I, I see it being very hard to, de- to derail them. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, are also good, although um, your man in the studio did point up a couple of good things. Plus, they, uh, they don't have any safeties right now. Injuries are hurting them. Right, right. They're hurting them at the wrong time. Right. Um, that's the only reason I wouldn't pick Seattle to go any further. But they've got the momentum. They've got the history. Um, so I'm going to say if it's Packers against Dallas, um, i got to go with Aaron Rodgers who's on a mission as well. Oh, yes. You know, that, that, would, that would be a good game. That, that really would be a good game, Dallas against the Packers. I'm going to say, as you said, Keith, uh, and this has to be with – the way we came into the season, not the way the season progressed. Coming into the season, it is a surprise that Dallas is in the NFC, particularly because Tony got hurt. And once Tony got hurt, you know, if Tony wasn't hurt, maybe some people may have picked Dallas to win the NFC East. But but then you got the Giants, you know, so so you never know. But this certainly is a surprise to see the Dallas Cowboys finish up and win it the way they did without the fact that they had Tony Romo. Those two rookies, nobody could have expected them to believe to perform like that. Now, as it goes on, I think either Dallas or the Giants are going to be playing the Packers. You know, and I got to look back at it to see if that if that can actually happen because who's playing who? Giants play the Packers first in the first in, in the, in the, in the first wild round. Card. You're right. So yeah. so that in the first round, I'm sorry. So right, this, away. right. So we'll, exactly, if, if indeed that that could happen, that Dallas is still remaining there. But I'm going to pick surprise. Uh, you know, looking at this, really, I mean, because I'm so happy, and I, it's hard. How, how can I do this? How can I do this? It's the Buckeye in me. But I, I, I got to say, the Dallas Cowboys look good. But that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, did say he was going to run the table. Maybe he's the Joe Namath of 2017, you know, who's picking it, you know, seven games into the season and said we're going to run the table as opposed to, you know, the last game. But I'm going to tell you what, we got some good games, uh, you know, lined up here. And uh, we'll have to come back next week and see how they end up. But uh, certainly appreciate you calling into the show, Keith. I hope you and your family have a happy new year out there in the city of brotherly love. Les, thank you for being here in the studio with me. We will be back. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.